Good morning. Uh, if you could open up your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 11, uh, and also you can get, as I said before, the outline, the message outline right out those center doors there. There is an outline right there you can pick up. Don Milley began a company in 2008 called iParents.com. And the purpose of this organization was to bring parents and families and grandparents together in kind of this social network where they could kind of exchange photographs and schedules and news and, and things like that. It was off to a great start. Uh, within months, they had 70,000 subscribers and everything looked really good. Venture capitalists were willing to invest one, uh, $3 million the time that they got to 100,000 subscribers, but it never happened. The company ended up closing in, in January 2010. And when they did an autopsy of what happened, why the company closed, they offered, they, it was the reason they came out with it because they offered so many bells and whistles, but in the process, they had lost their focus. They had lost their focus. And if you're in business, you know you have to keep your focus. You have to stay focused, right? The same way with churches, true of churches. Churches can offer so many bells and whistles and all kinds of things, but once they lose their mission or, or, or lose their sense of focus, it's just an only matter of time. And this morning, we're in our series called Unstoppable, and we're studying the book of Acts and learning from the book of Acts how the early church was unstoppable, was unstoppable. And in the church of the New Testament, it started in Acts chapter 2 in Jerusalem. It was Jewish, and the message was presented to the Jewish people that the Messiah had come, that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, and he died on the cross for their sins. He was buried and raised on the third day. And many people came to put their faith and trust in Jesus. And so this Jewish congregation began, and it was Jewish. It was completely Jewish. But then some things began to happen. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen was martyred. And, and then in Acts chapter 8, the, the church was kind of scattered. The, the, in Acts chapter 8, persecution came, and the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. But many of them moved outside of Jerusalem, went to other places. Remember how I said in a few weeks ago that God was scattering them? It was like a farmer reaching to a seed pack, scattering them. That God was strategically scattering his people, the church. And the gospel was spread by doing that. And because of this scattering, humanly speaking, because of persecution, but obviously a sovereign God was orchestrating the whole event, what was happening, we find the people were scattered. They were scattered to declare the message of Jesus Christ. In the church, what had happened there, it moved from Jerusalem now to this second city, if I can have the map up there, to this second city. In the second city, uh, first, the, the church started here in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2. This is where the Holy Spirit ga ca uh, came in Acts chapter 2. The first seven chapters of the book of Acts is all in Jerusalem right here. And everything that is happening is right here. But then in Acts chapter 8, persecution came, and the church was scattered. The apostles and them stayed here in Jerusalem, but everybody else was scattered, and they left the area, and they go up. And then now this city that we're talking about here in Acts chapter 11 is, is Antioch. Antioch's up here. Later we're going to talk about Tarsus a little bit in the, in the book. But Antioch's way up here north, about 320 miles north of Jerusalem. They say it's kind of one week by sea back in that time they could get there, and three weeks by land to get there at that time. It was the third largest city in the Roman Empire at that time, behind Rome and Alexandria. Antioch was a city of between 500 to 800,000 people at the time, and it, it was the Jewish population at that time was about 25 to 50,000 people. But they had this kind of opportunity to live together in this colony the Jews did with at least some freedom of self-governance in that Roman city of Antioch. So the people of that city, like many of the Roman cities of that time, uh, had idol worship. 
had idolatry. And they worshiped just outside of the city. And they would go outside of the city and worship Daphne and her accomplice, the Apollos, and other gods. But many of those idolatrous cities, they also were involved in prostitution, became part of their sacred ritual, which they would have. And it was widespread there in Antioch to the extent that even the writings that came from that time period, they would say the Antioch was often looked as a very immoral city. And so when you look at the way the church was formed and you looked at the way it thrived back then, and how it's complete different that we looked at today, what we have today, that many times we look at the church today and we say, in our changing culture, we look back and say, boy, if we could go back to the good old days. You ever say that to yourself? If we could go back to those good old days, and you fill in the blank whenever the good old days was of your time. You say, the good old days, that's when the church was doing this or whatever. But at some point in our life that we got to start talking about the good old days and, and stop talking about them and come to the realization that the church of Jesus Christ, the good old days can be now. They can be today. At so many times we look at the church and we say, you know, the church is the pastor, but I'm just one person. Guys, I am not the church. I'm not crossroads. I know I'm the pastor of church. I, I teach and I preach up here, but I'm not the church. You're the church. I'm just one amongst this church. We make up the church, and what the church becomes is really up to us, what we make it to be, right? How we minister to others and carry that out. And we can make the church that today can be now. We don't have to look to good old days. We can say it's right now. We can take the gospel of Jesus Christ in a very distinctive and contrastive way into our culture and show the love of Christ and show the modeling of Christ and show the compassion of Christ for the world and show the world that Jesus is really the only answer and that they need Jesus, right? That's what we need to share with them. We can do that today. We find the church of Antioch, what we find is they, they, they had excellent focus. They were really focused on what they were trying to accomplish. And here at Crossroads, we want to do the same thing. And when we look at their mission of the early church, the church in Antioch, that's our mission. And we want to make it our mission. And so what I want to look at this morning is the church at Antioch, but we want to look at it that their mission is our mission today. And so if you have your outline handy, if you could follow me, that our mission is we want people to come to know Christ. Amen? We want people to come to know Jesus. That when people come in our church, that they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for their sins, he was buried and raised on the third day, and anyone and everyone can come to Jesus by faith through, through Christ. That God accepts everyone, no matter where you've been. And we want people to know Christ. And we want that to be in every message that we preach, that they hear about Jesus. If you could read with me in Acts chapter 11, verse 19 through 21. It says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Over the last few years, God has scattered many people from Crossroads, our, our church here, to many parts of the country. Not because of persecution, but because of the economy, retirement, jobs, or some people just relocating. And so people have scattered from here to other places like Florida, Arizona, Missouri, Wisconsin, Indiana. They traveled there and they left here. And they, while they were scattered, it's not a displacement. God didn't just displace them, but God, a sovereign God, moved them on purpose and for purpose. And the purpose is so they can share Jesus Christ wherever they go, right? 
and they, they do their jobs and whatever they're doing, but God scatters us for a purpose and on purpose, and the purpose is so you and I can share Christ wherever we go. That's what the early church did as they were scattered from Jerusalem. And many of them could have been very bitter and angry at God and angry at the world because they had to leave family behind. They had to leave their belongings behind. They had to leave their occupation behind. And they had to leave because of persecution. They had to leave. And they had to leave and get out of their comfort zone and go to the places of unknown, what they weren't comfortable with. But they did that. And they shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's our mission is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever we go. We see the example right here in, in, in the book of Acts. That wherever they went, their main objective, their priority was to share Christ wherever they went. First, the Bible says they went to the Jews, and they shared with the Jews. But then some of the men from Cyprus and Cyrene, what we find here, is who had come, from, had come to Jerusalem from those places, and who spoke the Greek language, now they've been scattered, and they're going back to those places of the people who spoke that Greek language. Now they become building blocks of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they're sharing the gospel with those people in their language. So many people are coming to know Jesus Christ, their Savior. Many people came to know Christ, their Savior, right here. And I love what it says here in verse 21. It says, the Lord's hand was with them. That's a good thing, right? To say the Lord's hand was with them. You wonder why there are so many people are coming to Christ? You wonder why the church was moving forward because the Lord's hand was with them. As a church, what we want to do at Cross was to help people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. We want to help people become a follower of Jesus Christ. That's the first step. We want to help to reach people. We want to help the people to come to know Jesus Christ and reach people for Christ, right? In a macro way, that's going to happen. That's going to happen in, in, our, in, our, in our continent that we live in where people left Europe because of religious persecution and they came here for religious freedom. And when they arrived here in this country, they were scattered. And in the result of them being scattered, many people came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, right, because of that. On a micro level, God has scattered people into our lives so they might share Jesus Christ with us so we might trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. That's a good thing, right? God has scattered people in our lives. And this morning, I want to ask you a question. Think of the person who's influenced you most for Jesus. Who's the person that influenced you to come to Jesus Christ as your Savior? Who's that person? It might be people. It might be more than one. Who's that person? Was it your mom? Was it your dad? Maybe it was your grandparents. Maybe it was a friend or our pastor or a Sunday school teacher. The reason I say the person who most influenced you, because we often like to think of uh, when we associate evangelism with that person who uh, led us to Christ by praying with us and lead us to Christ. But evangelism or coming to Christ is more of a process, what happens in our lives. It's where we take this bits of information that we learn, and God uses people and circumstances to help us to understand the Bible who Jesus is and what he did for us. And in that process, we eventually commit our lives to Christ. But there's usually a person, or it might be people, persons, that influenced us for Jesus. And who was that for you? Who was that? Think of that. Who was that person for you? When we have baptisms here, we use, people usually share their story, how they came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I love that time when we hear those stories and people will share how their life was and how God worked in their life and how God sent people in their lives to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and influence them for Jesus to eventually committed their lives to Christ. And that's what we want to do here at Crossroads. We want to help people come to know Jesus Christ, their Savior, not only collectively, but as individuals we want to do that, to reach people for Christ. 
These people went 320 miles, 320 miles to share Christ with others. And the Bible says the Lord's hand was with them. We need to just go out to our neighbors and plus to share Christ, right? But these people were committed to go 320 miles. The second point of our mission is we want to help people grow in Christ. If you're here today, one of the points I can share you, I want to help you grow in Jesus Christ. That's what we want to do, see people grow. See, trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior is not the end, it's just the beginning. So many people think that when I come to Jesus Christ, boy, I finally arrived. That's it. That's God's goal for me, is to trust Christ as your Savior. That is not God's goal for you. The Bible says God's goal for you, that you would be conformed to the likeness of His Son. That's God's goal for you, that you and I would be transformed, that we come to Christ, and we wouldn't stay there, but we would continue to grow, become more like Jesus. That's what God wants for each and every one of us. He wants us to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. If we come to Christ, and we accept Him as our Savior, and we never grow, we become vulnerable. And matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 says that. It says this, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. When we just accept Jesus as our Savior, and I never grow in my faith, I never grow in the knowledge of the Word of God or anything like that, never grow in my walk with Jesus, then every time different teaching comes, I'm attracted to that. And I go here, and I go there, and I'm all over the place. I don't have a real strong foundation because I never grew in Christ. So whatever comes my way, I'm believing that. And I get so confused at what I believe and what I understand, right? But it's just a contrast to what Psalms, Psalm 1 says, and what verses 1 through 3 says this. Blessed is the man or woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the waves of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his or her delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in, in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. We have to grow in this book, the Bible. It's essential to our growth. You can't say here today, this morning, say, you know, I'm really growing in my walk with Jesus. I'm, I'm really growing uh, deeper with Jesus if you're not reading this book. You're fooling yourself if you say that. You say, boy, I, I'm, I'm growing in Jesus, but I'm not reading the Bible. See, this book is essential. You can read a lot of books, but nothing should take place of this book. There's a lot of good Christian books out there, and I would encourage you to read them, but don't make them in place of this. If you have one book to read, make sure it's this book. All those other books out there might be great books. They're written by human authors. This is the book that's written by God. It has authority, and God has blessed this book. This book will transform your life, and that's what God wants us to do, that we read this book, we understand this book, we grow in this book. That's what he wants for all of us to grow in this, and he transforms our lives as we read this, and we pray, and we grow closer to him. That's what he wants for us, is to grow. But it takes this book to be in the Bible. We have to be in this. Acts chapter 11, verse 22 through 26 says this. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and, and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. We want to help people to grow in Christ. 
We all need to grow in Christ, right? We need to continually to grow. The church at Jerusalem heard what was happening in Antioch, that this new church was beginning, and they had to be concerned of what was going on. Was the truth being taught in this church, or was it false teaching? They had to make sure. So what they did, they chose someone to go out and check on it. We're going to send you to check on it. And they chose a man who was one who was an encourager. We met him in Acts chapter 4. We saw him again in Acts chapter 11. And his name was called, was changed to Barnabas, means son of encouragement. That's who he was. So Barnabas goes to Antioch to check out what is happening, see if this is from God or not. And as soon as he gets there, he sees evidence. Without a shadow of a doubt, this is from God, that God's grace is being poured out to these people. And many people are coming to trust Jesus as their Savior. And he was, he's rejoicing with them, and he's encouraging them. And they're seeing many, many people come to Christ. The Bible says he's teaching them. In verse 23, it says he encouraged them. And I, and I like that word. The literal meaning for encourage them means to cling to the Lord, to be passionate about him. It says, I want you to cling to Jesus and be passionate about him. And that's what I want for all of you, for all of us, that we would cling to Jesus and understand he is the only way, and we're passionate about Jesus. Don't you want to be passionate about him? Really in love with him, say, man, I just don't want to know him, but I want to grow and be passionate about him, that he's my greatest passion is to know more and more about Jesus and understand him more and more, as the apostle Paul prayed in the Philippians chapter 3, that we know him more and more. Then Barnabas saw... At this church in Antioch, they're going to need a lot of teaching. He knew this, so he went to go and help, get help. Where did he go? He went up north. If you remember the map, he went up a little bit north there from Antioch, and he went to Tarsus to find Saul. And Saul could help him to teach. This is the same Saul we were introduced in Acts chapter 9. This is the same Saul who persecuted the church in Acts chapter 7. It was the same Saul that was there at the stoning of Stephen, where the people laid their coats at Saul's feet. The same Saul. But God wonderfully saved him, and his life now has changed. And he goes to Tarsus. Now, 10 years has passed since that has happened, and Saul is in Tarsus. And Barnabas goes up there to find Saul in Tarsus to bring him back so he can help him to teach. And the Bible tells us that Saul and Barnabas stayed there for a year teaching in Antioch, to teaching the people. There was so much teaching needed to be done. The people need to grow. Every one of us needs to grow in our faith, not just come to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. That's great. That's wonderful. That's amazing. We're going to go to heaven. But God never meant just to make converts, but he wants us to be disciples. Go make disciples. Disciples are learners or followers are in the way with Jesus. That's what he wants, us to be in the way with Jesus, following Jesus, walking with Jesus. That's what he wants for all of us to grow. And we have to grow. It's called discipleship. I talked about that a few weeks ago. We're called to be disciples, then we're called to disciple others, right? To be disciples of Jesus. And we're to grow individually, and we're also to grow collectively, individually and collectively. We're almost entering the year 2022. As I said before, I can't believe that Thursday's Thanksgiving, just a few weeks away, and we're going to bring in a new year. May I challenge all of you here at Crossroads to grow as individuals in your walk with Jesus, to make sure you're doing that, you're reading the Bible and you're studying the Bible, make that commitment today that you're studying and you're reading it and, and you're doing what it says and you're reading it every day. That's what you're looking to try to read it every day. If you're here and you say, boy, I know Jesus Christ is my Savior, but I'm not really reading my Bible. Maybe start out small. I mean, if you can read five, ten chapters a day, God bless you. Continue to do that. You keep up that. But sometimes we can't. 
And sometimes this word just overwhelms me to read that much. So I encourage people to read at least a, a paragraph. A paragraph's a complete thought. But even better than that, read a paragraph before, the paragraph, and a paragraph after. That way you, you take it in the context. You keep it in context. But as you're reading that, ask God to give you insight to what it says. Just don't read it and put it down. Say, okay, I'm done. I did my, what we like to call devotion. I'm done. But ask God, give me insight. What's the meaning of this? And ask God to help you to apply it to your life. It does us no good to read the Word of God, be puffed up with knowledge if we don't do something with it. So we read this Word. We're supposed to apply it to our lives. That's what God wants. That we make application and we apply it. He says, I want to transform you, your hearts and your minds as we read it. Romans chapter 12 talks about that. One and two talks about transforms our hearts and minds with the Word of God. So as we're reading this, God says, I'm going to transform you. There's power in this word. Sometimes it's rebuking us for sin, the way we're living. Sometimes it's encouraging us, affirming us. And many times it gives us direction and guidance. And God is showing us his will through the word of God. That's how he does it. Through the word of God and us praying over the word. God guides us and leads us in our life. It's our compass of life that God uses to keep us on the right walk with him. If we don't read this, we're trying to guide ourselves, and we're trying to remember the Word of God, and we get off course very easily. But this, every day we have a diet of God's Word. It leads us and guides us and helps us to grow in Him. So we have to grow individually, right? We need to grow individually. Nod your head, yes. We have to grow individually. But we also have to grow collectively, together. It's good we meet in the congregation, because the Bible tells us, let us not give up meeting together. But one of the best ways of us to grow collectively is through a small group. We have one meeting right after the service in room five. Grail and Susan, we're glad to have you down there, to join them down there, to go down to that group. But we come to the small group and we grow together. We're growing together. We're, we're sharing our lives together. We're praying together. We're encouraging one another in that small group is what we do because we need to grow together. It's so important. We learn best in community, not in isolation. God made us those type of people. That's why he created the church. So we'd be together and grow together and learn together and pray together and encourage one another. And that's what small groups do. Growing is important for our children. That's why during this service, we have a children's ministry for our nursery and preschool and also our kindergarten through fifth grade. Our student ministry meets on Sunday nights at 6 p.m. Uh, down in the gym. Uh, if, you, if you have middle school or high school students, bring them down there, down in the gym. They have a wonderful time at 6 p.m. every Sunday, Sunday evening. The grow in Christ, it's more important than all the other activities that demand the attention of our families. Do you realize that? That's more important than anything you could do, mom and dad, is teach your children to grow in Christ. Do you know it's more important that your children, your child grows in Christ then they are a part of the honor society today. It's not an either or. It's not an either or. I'm not saying it. I just want you to understand that growing in Christ is more important. It means you can't do the other, but just get priorities right. That growing in Christ is more important. It's more important that our children grow in Christ than in part of a sports team. Again, it's not an either or. Just understand that growing in Christ is more important. It's more important that your children grow in Christ. The Bible tells us the most important day of our lives is the day that we came to Christ. And I'm going to be giving a message on this in just a few weeks. The second most important day is one day all of us are going to have to stand before Jesus and give an account of our lives. And mom and dad and grandparents, your responsibility and your number one priority to your children is that you would prepare them for that day. That you want, you would help them to make them understand who Jesus is and what he did for them so that they know Jesus. 
they put their faith and trust in Jesus. The second thing that you want to do for your children, that they grow in Christ. It's more important than anything else you can do for them. That they know Christ and they grow in Christ. Because the day they leave your house, all those other decisions they make will, will make sense. They're going to be able to make good decisions because they're going to have Jesus leading them and guiding them, right? So the most important thing you can do for them, that they know Jesus and they grow in Christ. And he will help them to make good godly decisions, where to go to school, what jobs to take, who to marry, all those kind of things. He will lead and guide them. And we trust Christ with their children, right? So we want to help them. The number one thing we can do, help them to know Jesus and grow in Christ, right? We want them to know that. And that's what our job is, to know Christ and grow in Christ. And by the way, growing in Christ also means serving. As we're growing in the knowledge of God's Word, and we're growing in the Word that we come and now we use it in our everyday lives, we minister with the Word. And as we have that vertical relationship, we're growing in the vertical relationship, God wants us now to take what we've learned and implement in the lives of others horizontally. As we minister, we serve. We serve people with our, our resources, our, our money, our finances, with our time with our talents and gifts that God has given us, and we're building up the body of Christ. We're serving in the church. We're serving. You cannot say that you're growing in Christ, or I'm growing in my walk with Jesus, if you're not growing in the Word and not serving. They go hand in hand. You can't honestly say that. You may say that, but it's not true. Because God never meant for us to be isolated and say, boy, I'm growing in Christ. He always meant us to, to uh, minister to others, to implement what we've learned. Not to be puffed up with knowledge. Now take what I've given you and minister to others with it. And we do that by growing in this word, and then we're able to minister to others and serve is what God wants us. He gives us the gifts and abilities to do that. We need to do that to serve other people. And I would love to help you with that if you're not doing that, to grow in Christ and, and also to serve. They go hand in hand. When I say grow, I mean grow in the knowledge of the word and also serving. They go hand in hand. The third our mission is we want to reach people for Christ. We want to reach others for Christ is what we want to do. We want to reach others. We want to do that in every one of our ministries. We want the gospel to be shared. You will hear me, as you've already heard me, tell about Jesus. He's the only way. That Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and raised on the third day. We want people to understand it with clarity, with simplicity, that they understand the message of Christ. In Acts chapter 11, at the end of verse 26, it said the disciples are called Christians first at Antioch, it says. They didn't call themselves Christians. What they called themselves was brothers, disciples, followers. It wasn't until the second century that they called themselves Christians. And so this was what the term was given to them. Other people called them Christians. And it wasn't meant to be a complimentary term, what they gave to them when they called them a Christian. But I can't think of anything more complimentary. They had the Christ in it, right? To say that you're a Christian, to say that you're a follower of Christ. I can't think of anything more complimentary so for somebody to say, boy, you're just one of those Christ followers. Yes, right? You're just a Christian. Yes, but back then, it was committed derogatory. You're just one of those Christians. You're one of those Christ followers is what they were trying to do to them. In verse 27 and through 30, it says this. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. The prophets in the Old Testament did a couple of things for us. One of them is they would foretell. 
they would foretell. They would foretell the future based on what God had told them. Like they would say, uh, there's going to be a judgment coming. Or they would say, the Babylonians are on the way. There's nothing you could do about it. They're coming. There's coming. Nothing you could do. They would also, what they would do, they would foretell. Foretell. And what that means, they would say, God wants us to live this way, but this is the way that we're living. If we don't change our ways from living from this way to this way, judgment is coming, is what they would say. They would foretell. And so what would happen, the prophets would, God would combine those two many times. What they were trying to do is prepare people for action. So what they would do, they would foretell, and they would foretell to prepare the people for action. You need to do something. Something's going to happen unless you do something. So Agabus, the prophet, said to them at this time, said there's going to be a famine in the land of Judea. Judea was the land surrounding Jerusalem. The land surrounding Jerusalem, there's going to be a famine that's going to come, and the people believed that. And they began to take an offering according to their ability, the Bible says. And then they sent off Barnabas and Saul to take that offering down to Judea, down to the Jerusalem area, to the people who had needs is what they were doing. So they helped the people. They wanted to reach people for Christ. They wanted to reach the world for Christ. See, it's not enough to know Christ. It's not enough to just grow in Christ. If we don't go beyond that, we're never going to fulfill the great commission and what Jesus wants us to have. He wants to have the focus, to have focus in what he wants us to do. And what he wants us to do, not only to know Christ and grow in Christ, but he wants us the third one, your third point, is to reach others for Christ. We need to go beyond this building with the gospel message so people can come to know Jesus. That's what the church in Antioch did. That's what the church in Jerusalem did. They went beyond their building. And that's what we must do here at Crossroads Community Church is go beyond our building. Reach the world for Christ by reaching others for Christ. The way to reach the world for Christ is one person at a time, right? You and I reaching one person at a time with the message of Jesus. So beginning with our Jerusalem and going out to our Judea, through our small groups, through our neighborhoods, through your subdivision, through your workplace, wherever you go, and as we go beyond this place, as we go beyond this place, imagine with me, two years from now, as we gather here on a Sunday morning, as churches gather around the world on Sunday morning, and I ask you the question, the same question I started with the message with, who is it that most influenced you for Jesus? I ask you that. Who is it that most influenced you for Jesus? Wouldn't it be wonderful in two years to have a person stand, and another 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 person stand, and they begin to mention the names of some of the people in this room today? Wouldn't that be wonderful? And they say, boy, they, they so impacted me with the love of Jesus. They so cared for me in Christ. By when I couldn't cut my lawn, they came over and they cut my lawn. Or they shoveled my snow. Or when I came home from the hospital, they brought me a meal. Or they came over when they knew I was going through a hard time, they just came over and they brought me a cup of coffee. Or they invited me to a small group. Or they invited me to their, their church. See, that's what we're supposed to do. Wouldn't that be wonderful if they mentioned our name? That's our mission, that we influence people for Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. You know, like iParents.com, churches die every day. 1,500 pastors leave the ministry for all kinds, every month for whatever reason, leave the ministry. And churches and pastors lose their focus. And churches become something what they were never intended to become. Our focus at church, and church, by the way, isn't this building. If you know Christ as your Savior, you are the church. So I'm talking to you as individuals and us collectively. Our focus must always be 
We want to help people know Christ, grow in Christ, and reach others for Christ. Amen? So if you're here and you wonder what this church is all about, this is a great time to come because we want people to come to know Christ, grow in Christ, and reach others for Christ. That's our mission. That's what we want to try to accomplish. We want to stay focused on that mission. And everything we do, we want to accomplish that. That was the mission of the early church, the church in Antioch. That's what they were doing. That has to be our mission. That has to be our mission. So I want everybody to say it with me. We want to help people and say, just follow me. We want everyone to help people to know Christ, grow in Christ, and reach others for Christ. So if someone asks you what the church is about, you share that with them, okay? Because that's what we, we're all about. It's Christ. Christ so centric that people would understand who Jesus is and what he did for them. That's so important. And not just know that, but to grow in their faith and knowledge in Jesus Christ. And we pray that the Lord would bless our hands as we do this, according to Psalm 90, and we would never lose the focus. We want this done in all of our ministries, not just on Sunday morning. We want it done on Sunday morning. There's not a message that won't go by. At least I don't think so. I try to present the gospel in every message because I don't know who might be there tonight to hear about Jesus. But my heart is for that you to grow in Christ. My heart is passion, is discipleship, to see people grow deeper in their faith. And I always want to challenge you and encourage you to share Christ with others as you go out into the world. Be ready to give, to share why you believe what you believe with others, Jesus. But we don't only want to do that here. We want to do that in our children's ministry. That all that, that mission, know Christ, grow in Christ, to reach others for Christ is done there. We want to do that in our student ministry. That we can say that's being done there. In our small groups and everything we do, we want to be about to promote Jesus so people can come to know him. He's the one that makes a difference. Our church can't make the difference in your life. Only Christ can. He's the one that's going to change you from the inside out. He's the one that can change the direction of your life. He's the one that can give you forgiveness of sins and eternal life with God the Father. Only Jesus. I can't do that. The church can't do that. Only Christ and Christ alone. That's why we promote him. That's why he has to be our message. There's no one else can do that for you. Only Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior, please listen to me. Understand this, that God loves you so much, and he wants to have a relationship with you. But because of our sins, and we're all sinners, I'm a sinner, because of our sins, it separates us from a holy, just, righteous, perfect God. And there's no way that we can approach him because he's perfect, and we are not. We're sinners. So it's a gap between us and God. And there's nothing we can do, so we're helpless and hopeless in our situation. So God, out of his love for us, the first song we sang this morning, he sent his one and only son down to this earth, and he took on the form of a human being. And he became like us, to identify with us. And then he went to the cross, and God placed all those sins, all those things that separate you and I from God the Father, everything that separates us from him, were placed upon Jesus. And Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and he paid the complete payment for our sins upon the cross. So now you and I are able to approach God the Father, but we have to come his way through Jesus. It says, by grace we are saved through faith, that we come and we place our faith and trust in Jesus. Understand that he died on the cross for our sins. We say yes to him. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, do that today by simply saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And today, I accept and trust Jesus as my Savior. Please do that if you haven't done that. For all of us who know Christ as our Savior, let's make that commitment that today, maybe I've been reading my Bible, but today I'll start reading. Let's make that commitment. Let's make 2022 a year that changes our lives because we're growing closer to Jesus, not just in words, but through the Word of God. 
Let's make it serious. Let's take it serious. Let's really, really read the Bible. Let's make sure we're here on Sunday so we can grow together. Let's grow together. Let's serve together. And then, finally, not only grow together, we want to reach others for Christ. We want others to know what you know, the goodness of Jesus, how they can have that relationship with him, right? Amen? Because we all have friends or loved ones that don't know Christ, so, so we're constantly praying for them. So that's what we're asking God to do, to help us to know Christ, grow in Christ, and that we might reach others for Christ. Amen? Amen. I might quiz you after, okay? Is it okay? So you don't know it? Just joking. Let's pray. Lord, we come and we praise you. We thank you so much that because, God, you are so, so good to us. Every day you bless us so much. So, much. so Lord, I pray this morning for anyone that is here and they came and they said, boy, that was kind of the pastor speaking about the church and all that. But, Lord, we take the church as this corporate body, but the church is really us. So this message was to each individual that is here. If they don't know Jesus, that we might come to know Christ. And if we knew know Christ, then, Lord, we grow in Christ so that we can reach others for Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that for each person here that they might understand that's not only the church's mission, but that's our individual mission. Help us, Lord, to be about your work, what you've called us to do. Lord, we get so wrapped up in the events of today and the culture of what's going on and politics and politically and everything that's going on around us. That, Lord, we lose sight and lose focus, as iParents.com did, as many churches do, and as many individuals do. We lose focus, Lord. We, we get sidetracked from you. We get involved in all kinds of things. Lord, bring us back that we might be Christocentric focused, that we might fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, we can't do this ourselves, but we, Lord, we ask that you would help us through the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, to help us to see you, who you really are, and what you did for us, that you'd bind the enemy from confusing us, bind all the false teaching that we hear on TV, cable news, internet, all those kind of things, Lord, that we hear all this false teaching, but help us to understand the truth, and the way we find the truth is through the Word of God. Give us a passion for you. Give us a passion for your Word, Lord, that we just don't read your Word, but, Lord, we might grow in your Word. Give us the insight, Holy Spirit. Teach us. Teach us what it means and how we apply it to our lives. We can't figure this out ourselves, but, Lord, we need your help. We need your guidance. We need your wisdom. We're praying for your wisdom. Give us the wisdom, Lord, to understand what your word is. So, Lord, we know your will in our lives, what you want us to do, that job to take, or what you want us to do, how we can serve you. And, Lord, as we give the wisdom, Lord, we need the boldness. So as we leave this place, Lord, that we can go out and share Christ with others. And we can live the life you called us to live and be bold for Jesus. Lord, we need you. We need you in all of this. We can't do any of this on our own. So I pray for the person here that doesn't know Jesus or pray for their soul, that they might come to know Christ. And I pray for all of us, Lord, no matter where we are in our walk with Jesus, that, Lord, help us to be on bended knee and say, God, I need you. I need you. I need you to help me in my walk. I need you to, that I could be bold, that I might walk consistently with you, that I might get in the word. Help us, Lord. Help us to be the people you called us to be, Lord. Help us to fix our eyes upon you as Thanksgiving is coming and as Christmas is coming, the holidays are coming, we're having a wonderful opportunity to share Christ and live out the life in front of others. Help us to be people who are really thankful to you and all that we have. And everything that we have is because of your goodness. And we not lose sight of that. So Lord, this Thanksgiving and this Christmas, let us be a Christmas that we're drawing closer to you. We're realizing what the season's all about. It's really about you about you, that you gave the greatest gift of all, 
your son to us. And so the giving of gifts is just being an example from you, Father, what you did to us, what you gave to us. So that's a wonderful time. It's an amazing time that we're coming up to to help us to be really focused on you. We thank you so much, Lord, for these seasons in life that we have to, rem to remind us of our faith, to remind us of who we are in Jesus, to remind us of what Jesus did for us. And so I pray that in these next few weeks, Lord, and on into 2022, Lord, it be renewing in our hearts and minds to you and to your word and to your will in our lives. Lord, we praise you and thank you. We ask all these things in that most powerful name, in the name of Jesus, amen.